The Boston Bruins made three significant additions to the lineup prior to the trade deadline. We're going to talk about each of their contributions and whether or not they'll be back here on today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Thursday, June 1st, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. As I mentioned off the top, we are going to look at Don Sweeney's trade deadline acquisitions, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dimitri Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, see what they brought to the table and whether or not they may be back with the Bruins next season. First, I want to remind you, you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram at Locked NHL Bruins. You can find me, my dad jokes, hockey tweets at ENC McLaren, although I'm not very active on there at the moment. Buzzing right now because I just walked over to my kid's track and field meet and he finished second in standing long jump, which means he gets to go to the citywide track meet in a couple weeks. So uh, shout out to him. And let's begin by talking about Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly know that I am a huge Tyler Bertuzzi fan and have been for quite some time. Why is that? Well, he played his junior hockey days here in Guelph, Ontario, which is where I live. And he was a very successful member of a team that won an OHL championship and went to the Memorial Cup. That was back in uh, 2013. He, uh, sorry, 2015, I should say. Nope, 2014. What a dummy. Now, um, Bertuzzi, a very prolific scorer for Guelph, 43 goals, 55 assists for 98 points in his final year here. And during that playoff run, he averaged a point per game. I've always been a big fan of his, always wanted him to succeed and have followed his career through Grand Rapids, as well as to the Detroit Red Wings, where he played all of his career after being drafted in the second round of the 2013 NHL draft. Now I need to check to see when Guelph won their championships because this is really bugging me. I went to see them play in the Memorial Cup in London that year, which they were the favorites, but lost to the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, in the final. It was indeed 2014. That's what I thought. And Bertuzzi, not... uh, the highest scorer on that team that year, he only had 34 points in 29 games, but there's other NHLers that were on that team, including Robbie Fabry, Brock McGinn, Jason Dickinson, Pius Suter, Ben Harper. Uh, it was a great team. Anyways, all that to say, I was very much behind the idea of Don Sweeney trying to get Tyler Bertuzzi. I thought it was a bit of a 
pipe dream. And it wouldn't have been a reality unless there were those injuries late in the season that opened the LTIR door. Taylor Hall was on LTIR. Nick Felino was hurt. Derek Forbort was hurt. That allowed Sweeney to swing for the fences, trading for Bertuzzi at 50% salary retention on Detroit's part for a conditional first-round pick in 2024. That's top 10 protected. So if the Bruins do tank for some reason this season, that pick will be top 10 protected and bumped to another year. They also sent a fourth-round pick in 2025. And Bertuzzi was pretty much a perfect fit for the Boston Bruins. In 29 games for Detroit, before the trade, he had four goals, 10 assists, 14 points. He had been dealing with hand injuries, healed up, rejuvenated, coming to Boston, 21 games, four goals, 12 assists for 16 points. So a better point total in eight fewer games. And then in the playoffs, he was a beast. Seven games, five goals, five assists for 10 points. And he finished strong as well. Three points in the game six loss to Florida and a goal in the game seven loss. So it wasn't for a lack of trying on Tyler Bertuzzi's part. Yes, he had a couple turnovers here and there that led to scoring opportunities and goals for the Florida Panthers, but he was a net gain for the Boston Bruins. Steep price to, to to give up a first round pick in next year's draft. They already were without a first in this year's draft. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But it was well worth it to load up and give your team the best chance to win. Taking advantage of those LTIR rules as others have in the past and maximizing the opportunity to win. And again, Tyler Bertuzzi led the team in scoring in the opening round of the postseason. It was his first taste of NHL postseason. Five goals, five assists, 21 shots in seven games. Now, will he be back? It's going to be a challenge because seeing as he played so well in the playoffs, his value is higher than it was at the beginning of the season when he was struggling with Detroit. And the Bruins, of course, we've been talking about it for the past month since they got knocked out. Cap issues, cap issues, cap issues. That $4.5 million overage, ideally, you'd take that and give it to Tyler Bertuzzi. Do they trade Taylor Hall to make some room? Do they, best case, trade Forbort? Riley to make some room. I would love, love, love to have Tyler Bertuzzi in black and gold for the long term, but it's going to be a tough task. And he's earned the right to hit the open market. He did well to boost his value as a member of the Boston Bruins. And if there's a winner from that trade, you get Detroit getting the first round pick, top 10 protected. The Bruins had a Fantastic depth player for the playoffs. And Bertuzzi certainly won by boosting his value. Will he take 
a bit of a team-friendly deal to stay in Boston where he feels comfortable, where he feels welcomed, uh, where he has already achieved some success personally. Try to get them over the hump next season. That remains to be seen, but I would not hold it against him at all if he were to hit the open market and chase that cash because he has earned it. We're going to talk about the Washington Capitals trade and both Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway here in a moment. But first, a quick word about today's sponsor, which is our friends over at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the number one sports book in North America, and they are the official sports book of the NBA. The NBA Finals coming up, I know, a lot of us still bummed that the Celtics are not in there, but should still be fairly entertaining with the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Now, right now, new customers at FanDuel can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all playoff action for NBA and NHL than America's number one sports book. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get the no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and the LockedOn Sports Network, your favorite team every single day. And speaking of every day, we will be back, of course, with a brand new episode tomorrow, Friday, June 2nd. You can expect a look at the Stanley Cup finalists and how the Bruins stack up against them and why the Bruins are not in the Stanley Cup final. One last look at where things went wrong for this team. One area that didn't go wrong was in the addition of Dmitry Orlov to the lineup. Now, he was part of a deal with the Washington Capitals. It was a bit of a convoluted three-way trade where Minnesota Wild stepped in to uh, absorb some of the cap hit. But basically, the Bruins traded Craig Smith, their 2023 first-round pick, which is the 28th overall pick, now belongs to the Toronto Maple Leafs because they traded Rasmus Sundin to the Capitals. 2024 third-round pick, 2025 second-round pick, and a 2023 fifth round pick. The Bruins got Dmitry Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, and the signing rights to prospect Andre Svetlakov. Now, in terms of Dmitry Orlov, similar to Tyler Bertuzzi, he exploded offensively with the Bruins. He played 43 games prior to the trade with the Capitals, three goals, 16 assists for 19 points. He had 23 regular season games with the Bruins, four goals, 13 assists for 17 points. So that's two fewer points in 20 fewer games. His production with the Boston Bruins certainly, again, boosted his value as a potential free agent. And at age 31, he'll be looking to cash in on perhaps his final longer-term deal. And very unlikely, I think, that Orlov will be back. Again, the Bruins pretty much set in the top four with Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Grizzlick, Brandon Carlo. 
They got to figure out the bottom pairing. I talked about Derek Forbort and Connor Clifton and their struggles together uh, yesterday. Clifton likely gone. Forbort, a candidate to be bought out or traded. Uh, Orlov, impressive still in the playoffs as well. He played all seven games for the Bruins with eight assists to his credit. Uh, yes, he too had some turnovers, some misplays, but threw the body around, blocked some shots. He was credited with only four giveaways, so not terrible. And again, when you look at what the Bruins were able to do at the deadline, loaded up at every position, Orlov, arguably a top-pairing defender. You had a top-pair defender available on every pairing. It was a mistake to play four-board in all seven games. They should have had Grizzlick in there. Clifton could have gone with or without. But the left side, Lindholm, Grizzlick, Orlov, McAvoy, Carlo Clifton, that should have been enough to get it done. And um, again, will Dmitry Orlov be back with the Boston Bruins next season? It's going to be very, very tricky as well. He's 31 years old, unrestricted free agent. He's coming off a contract that paid him $5.1 million over the past six seasons. Uh, there are some indications that he would like to return to Washington, although he has been seen hanging on Instagram with Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Kuznetsov has made a trade request in Washington, so perhaps he's waiting to see where his good buddy lands. Uh, but he is very unlikely to be back with the Boston Bruins because, A, he's going to make a good chunk of money, the Bruins don't have the cap space, and the Bruins already have seven defensemen uh, under contract for this coming season, a couple of which they need to ditch in Mike Riley, certainly uh, Derek Forbort, potentially Jacobs Borrell waiting for his time, his chance to be a regular in the lineup. He's got one more year left on his contract, so he's a cheap alternative, albeit far uh, inferior sounds a bit too strong, but not obviously on the level of Dmitry Orlov. But with Lindholm, Grizzlick on the left side, with McAvoy, Carlo on the right side, you are set there in terms of your top four, and Orlov is a luxury that you cannot uh, keep around and likely won't be able to anyways. After the break, we're going to discuss Garnet Hathaway and whether he may be a candidate for Boston's fourth line. All right, the other day I looked at the fourth line. The most common fourth line for the Bruins was Nick Foligno, uh, Thomas Noshik, and A.J. Greer. When Garnet Hathaway was acquired, he jumped on the fourth line as well and played pretty well for the Boston Bruins. 25 games, he had... Uh, four goals, two assists for six points. He's, of course, not a offensive juggernaut. Uh, he chipped in 70 hits in those 25 games, blocked 18 shots, and provided that 
boost for the Bruins physically uh, when they needed it. Now in the playoffs, wasn't a huge factor for the Bruins. He did play in all seven games, recorded one assist. Uh, He leveled 27 hits. So yeah, that's almost four hits a game doing what he's meant to do out there, blocked 11 shots uh, and the one assist. Would have liked to have seen him perhaps chip in a goal or two here and there, but again, that's not what he was brought in to do. Now, Garnet Hathaway, he too is an unrestricted free agent. He too is 31 years old. He's coming off a four-year contract that paid him $1.5 million against the cap. No shit could be gone. Uh, Greer's still around. If they can f- perhaps get John Beecher, per se, to play fourth-line center, I could see them trying to bring Hathaway back and have that veteran presence on the fourth line so you could perhaps have Greer, Beecher, Hathaway as your fourth line next season. be nice continuity. You're getting something long-term out of all these assets that you coughed up. And Hathaway really is uh, a pretty prototypical Bruin. Um, The way he plays, the way he carries himself, how he fit in. I would like to see them try to make a play for him. But how much do you want to pay your fourth liners? Barry Trotz, yesterday... He's the incoming general manager of the Nashville Predators. And I thought he had some great insight from Barry Trotz, of all people, saying, you know, third and fourth liners, you can kind of find them anywhere. You want to load up on scale wherever possible. So I think it's a mistake to become too married to your grinders, your fourth liners. Um, Let them come and go interchange, maybe even have some more skill in the bottom six and uh, prioritize as much skill as possible. Yes, you need those bangers. Yes, you need those guys who can be disruptive. Hathaway brings a good balance of both, and I would love to see uh, them bring him back. But if they don't, you know, I'm not going to be too upset about it. So those were the big trade deadline acquisitions. There's also... Uh, Shane Bowers, who is acquired from the Colorado Avalanche in a nifty little move where Don Sweeney was able to flip Keith Kincaid. Uh, Bowers appeared in 37 games, sorry, 20 games for the Providence Bruins, seven points in those games, 14 points in 37 games with the Colorado Eagles. First round pick in 2017. Some potential there, and perhaps he could be a guy who's a candidate to play fourth-line center as well if given a shot. Remember, A.J. Greer was a draft pick from the Colorado Avalanche. Didn't really catch on there or in New Jersey. Could be the same kind of situation here with Bowers, who obviously has some upside being a first-round pick in 2017. We'll talk about him more perhaps when we look at fringe players, prospects, how they perform this year, and who could make the jump to the uh, big lineup next season. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins, my friends. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, Happy beginning of Pride Month. Everybody's welcome here 
in the Locked On Bruins community. And we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. And we'll be back tomorrow to discuss the Stanley Cup finalists, what went wrong for the Bruins, why they're not in the final. Take care, friends.